You are listening to the Your Shining Self podcast for women who need messages of hope, love, and transformation. And now, your host, Tish. Hey there, listeners. Tish from ShiningSelf.com and the Your Shining Self podcast. As always, thanks for listening. And if you'd like to get the show notes from today's episode, be sure to head on over to ShiningSelf.com forward slash episode 21. Hey, listeners of the Your Shining Self podcast. Today, I am so excited to have with me guest Betsy Schwartz. Before we jump into the topic that we're going to be talking about today, Betsy, would you just take a couple minutes to tell our listeners a little about you and what you do? I do a lot of things. It's always a tough question. I have been a childbirth educator and an advocate for women and families for many, many years. I'm a board game creator. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a Reiki master. (laughs) So I do a lot of different things, but mainly right now, I'm very interested in sharing my wisdom, my knowledge, shining my light, and helping others to do the same and stepping out of my comfort zone to do that. That was perfect. Thank you. And one of the things when you, um, you know, submitted the information to me is you said that you're a pioneer and a visionary. So I love that. But just to clarify for our listeners, because I know sometimes people can get hung up on words. When you say that you're a pioneer and a visionary, would you just take a couple minutes to explain to the listeners what that means to you? Yes. So First off, when I started my doula service many years ago, I was the only one and paved the road down in South Florida. I was doing something very new that nobody knew what what that was about. And now here where I live now, I find that I'm doing that again with Reiki that I'm sharing and it's very new to this area. So pioneering looks like that to me where I'm paving the way. The thing about being a visionary is the fact that I always see the big picture. I look way past my nose, sometimes way too far, and I get (laughs) overwhelmed. So hopefully that clarifies that as well. It does. Thank you so much. All right. So today I selfishly wanted to chat with you because – I am an addict. I'm an alcoholic. I have been sober for five and a half years now. Thank you. And I'm very interested in learning more about, you know, how you have released guilt and shame because you have a son who is an addict. In all the years that I've struggled, you know, with alcoholism, not once have I ever thought of like having a conversation, you know, with my parents to see if there's you know, if they've ever felt any guilt or shame about having, you know, a child who suffers with an addiction. So selfishly, I wanted to chat with you about that just because this is like a new perspective for me. Cause like I said, I've never thought of, you know, how my parents have felt. I mean, I've had some conversations like with my mom and stuff, but we've never really dived deep into, um, you know, if she's ever felt that it was her fault or something. So would you just take some time and share with us? um, You know, you can talk about what he's addicted to if you feel comfortable doing that. Just give us any background information that you'd like. Okay. Uh, So yeah, right now also I can say that 
I think it's almost two years that he's clean. So yay. Yes, that's exciting and awesome. That gives me goosebumps. Yes. And it has been quite the journey. Um, I will say that the last thing or the main, I guess, substance that Matthew was addicted to was crack cocaine. And yeah, and so in those years, several years ago, uh, there was oftentimes, we didn't know if he was dead or alive. Um, I actually had to disconnect myself completely just for sanity reasons. Uh, But what I'd like to say is that, okay, so Matthew's going to be 30. um, So he's, you know, he's a grown up by numbers at at any rate. Um, And it just, it was almost like almost his whole life of, of challenges, um, not so much the addiction, but leading up to that. And, um, you know, the, the, uh, this is really hard for me, by the way, because I don't talk to too many people about this. And, it, and it's, it's good. It's just, it's hard for me. But I did. Well, first, let me just stop you and say thank you so much for being willing to be open and share this because I, you know, I know as an addict that it's difficult sometimes for me to even share my story. So I can't even begin to imagine as a parent how difficult it is for you talking about this. So again, I just, I really want you to know how appreciative I am that you're willing to do this because I think you're going to connect with so many other parents that are struggling with this too. Yeah, it's, I'm definitely not the only one. And I know that too, because when I have talked about it in certain circumstances, I find that, oh yes, my son too, or my friend's son or or this one or that one. So yes, it's very common. Look, I'm addicted to caffeine and chocolate, I can say, but, but I also could say that I could have down, gone down the road that my son went down very easily because mm-hmm. um, it does run in the family. But the thing about the, the guilt part, which was really hard when I was in the throes of being a doula and very involved in helping new families, I was learning a lot at the same time about newborns and pregnancy and birth, all of that, all about birth and beyond. And there was this one video that I used to show in my doula trainings because I trained other doulas to support new families. And in that video, there was the research, this was going back probably 20 years ago or something like that, that in the womb, your unborn baby feels everything and their cells are developing under those circumstances. So I used to watch that video and cry and cry and cry because I was super stressed out when I was pregnant with Matthew. Now, was that my fault? You know, I was married to an addict. You know, it was crazy. He left when I was seven months pregnant, just to give you that little history. And that's a whole nother topic. However, related to this, I just... I felt guilty, you know, even though that wasn't really my fault, but I thought, well, he, of course, you know, that's how he grew up because he started that way. And so that's where that whole guilt thing came in, in the beginning anyway. (laughs) 
Yeah, um, absolutely. That's understandable. Um, so do you remember like how old was your son when the addiction started? Do you remember, can you pinpoint like a specific point in time when it started for him? Hmm. Um, so as far as actually being addicted to a substance, um, I know, well, that's really hard to say. I know he tried pot when he was younger. Um, and then, you know, cause he told me later, like he shared with me, Oh mom, you know, I tried it, but then I really liked it. But then I think his senior year, he started doing that a lot. And I didn't really know, uh, cause he would kind of go up and down with sleep and his anger was all over the place. And so it was hard to pinpoint, but then it was what happened when he was 18 was really when I guess it blew up, if you mm -hmm. will. Um, he went over on a trip to Israel. Uh, it was a free trip and he spent some time over there on a, on a tour and decided to stay with no plan and didn't do some great things um, in trying to stay there. And anyway, um, he ended up with some kind of a breakdown and possibly due to something he did, you know, whether it was hash or, or something over there and, you know, had a breakdown basically mental breakdown. Wow. And yeah, I, again, I haven't shared this really with, <laughs> with a public. <laughs> this is and probably my at any time, if like I ask a question or something and you don't feel comfortable, you know, talking about that, that's perfectly fine too. Just let me know. And, you know, I'll make sure that we take that out of the recording or just don't, you know, go into that conversation. And, you know, what you said about um, he tried pot when he was younger. Well, one of the things that I've learned as an addict myself is, one, we're really good at hiding things. <laughs> and two, pretty much everybody that I have been in recovery with or um, around like recovery tables and stuff with, most all of us, if not all of us, started and tried something at a younger age. So I think that's really common. Um, you know, for me, I took my first drink at 13. Of course, my parents didn't know that I wasn't at home. I was at a friend's place. Their parents weren't there. Um, obviously, that's not something that I ran home and was like, hey, mom, you know, guess what I did this weekend? I tried alcohol. So I think it's a pretty common thing that, you know, all addicts start at least trying something at a young age. Um, so that's pretty common. So how, um, like, how did your son end up, I'm assuming he's in recovery if he's been sober for two years. Um, how did, like, what changed in his life that made him decide, you know, I, I need to be sober and not using and under the influence of drugs? That's really a great question because from that time of 18, from, you know, the breakdown and whatever, you know, occurred there, um, he was on and off and in and out of, um, you know, he'd go to AA, NA, he was using, he was not using, he was using, he was not using. So all, all these years. And so I'm not really exactly certain what happened two years ago, because if I tell you, I mean, the, some of the things that went on 
in the last 10 years, like you wouldn't even believe and the places that he was and where he was sleeping. So I don't really know exactly what clicked, clicked for him two years ago, but I will say that he was with this girlfriend that was super needy in her own right. She was not an addict, but in other ways. And they were together and we were, you know, trying to be supportive, whatever. And um, we let them stay here for about a week or two because supposedly in between places, you know how that goes. It's like, oh, I just need this little bit of help or that. That fine line between enabling and, and helping. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You get it, right? I Whoever, do. <laughs> yeah. Everyone knows about addicts. Okay. So it was, we were kind of at that stage. We're like, okay, he's trying to do the right thing. So we let them stay. Anyway, it got to the point where we're, we're like, if you guys don't get out, like some, someone's going to die. I mean, I, I mean, I don't mean to say I really would kill anyone, but it was just, it was horrible. It was just, and more about, it was watching a very sick relationship Mm-hmm. with them and I knew that he was trying to be well but so anyway we said I'm sorry you got to go now this was winter here in Florida but it was chilly and they started staying in his car now do I feel guilty uh I did but I didn't because <laughs> it just whatever we couldn't we couldn't deal with it anymore my, my husband myself well from that point on, I'll tell you what, he ended up finding a job through somebody and going to Texas and they left for Texas. Um, and you know, not right then, but I don't know, a few months after that anyway. And it, and he's like, after that, he still stayed with her, but then finally that was over, but he started getting clean after that. And so I don't know exactly what maybe you have the insight on that (laughs) (laughs) well it literally i mean you know from one addict to another it literally takes what it takes we have to hit our rock bottom sometimes our rock bottom is you know way worse than somebody else's rock bottom but it just you know it takes what it takes but Mm. i love what you said about that whole you know the fine line between enabling and helping because oh my gosh, there it, obviously I have way more insight now (laughs) as I did back when I was in the Thors of, you know, using alcohol and being addicted. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think of my son is 21 now, so obviously he's at the legal age to drink. Um, he knows my struggles with the alcoholism and stuff, but like, I just think of, oh my gosh, if it ever comes to the point where, you know, my son is in the same boat that I was in and alcohol has become an addiction. One, obviously, Lord, please watch over my child. I do not want him, you know, to have to go down that road. But it's like, man, as a parent, and especially because I've been through, you know, like the 12 steps and stuff now and feel like I've come out on the other side, although I don't know that I'll ever, you know, not struggle sometimes with still wanting to drink. But like knowing what I know from being in the program for so long now and stuff. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. How just the whole, like thinking of, you know, my son needing to come in and have a place to live and wanting to be able to do that as a mom. But then at the same time being like, okay, there's that line between I'm either enabling or helping. And it's really difficult. Like, I mean, I can't even imagine as a parent, 
you know, what you were going through, but good job for realizing that, okay, you know, it's time for them to get out. Like, because oftentimes that's not what happens. Oftentimes parents do everything to continue rescuing their child and, um, which ends up being, you know, a hundred times worse than finally putting your foot down and being like, okay, this is the way it is. It's time for you to get out. So that's, you know, from me looking into what you're sharing, like, I just feel like that's really impressive that you were able to, um, you know, do that with your son. Well, whatever, I mean, impressive, I don't know, but I will say that even while, you know, he was growing up and, you know, younger and, and just through a lot of the stuff that we went through, um, you know, people always have something to say and, you know, what you should do. I mean, you know, when you're a parent, right? It's like, oh, you know, people want to judge. They want to tell you what you should do. And it's like, okay, hold on. You know, you're not in my shoes. So there was a lot of times where it was a challenge. And even like between my husband and myself, because he'd want to do it one way. He'd be tougher, of course. Well, not of course, but that's the way he was. And I was a little more, you know, a little more TLC. And I think that there was, um, there was that struggle, you know, in the mix, which of course, you know, kids always know when you're not on the same page. Um, exactly. And, you know, not for nothing, but, you know, then we'd blame each other. And, I, you know, we had a lot of challenges there um, just in, in raising him up. But, um, it was definitely hard for me to do the tough love thing for many, many years. I don't think it was till probably, gosh, I don't even know uh, what it took or at what time I finally figured out that this is what I need to do. I'm just such a very loving, giving person and I don't have a, a real mean bone in my body. It's sometimes to a fault. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, as a, it's very different even in, so you're the child, you have parents, you also have a child. But being, when you have an addict that you're in relationship with, with, you know, is that a spouse? Is it a child? Is it a parent? It's, a, it's very different. When it's a child, especially when they are underage, and, you know, it's like, uh, you can't just, you know, kick them out. Or even when they are of age, yeah, you can, but it's just that different relationship. Right. It's a different kind of love. And do you, so this is coming again from my experience as being an addict. Um, you know, when I first got sober, so I had a relapse almost two years in. So I've been in the program for eight, eight and a half years. Um, but had that relapse, you know, right before, I mean, I was literally one month and six days away from my two year <laughs> sobriety yes. anniversary when I had a relapse. But, um, so like my next question is because it's been my experience. So I'm curious if you have experienced it as well. Was it really hard? Like when your son got sober to like actually believe that he was sober? Like, did you still have doubts that, oh, he's just, you know, hiding it from me? Is he, I mean, because it was, it took a long time to build trust back up with family, friends, my son. So I'm curious, you know, from your point of view, was that still a thought when your son, you know, was working on his sobriety? Is he really sober? Yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, 
because he also has these mental health issues, which I know go hand in hand a lot of times with a lot mm-hmm. of people, um, sometimes behavior, it's hard to tell like what's really going on. So a few months ago, in fact, he had a meltdown, a little bit of a breakdown or something, but he, he isn't local. So we talked on the phone a little bit, but I got this one phone call of, oh, I'm really tired and I know I haven't slept and I'll talk to you later or something. And then he didn't have a phone. And I thought, oh my God, he's in the street again. He's using, he's, you know, all of these things went through my mind. And when we finally, he got in touch again, it, you know, he clearly and distinctly said, no, mom, I did. I promise you, I did not use. And, you know, and I believe him. Mm -hmm. I do believe him, but it, yeah, it, it was hard to know whether that was really true. And I, and I just went with, okay, I believe him. And, uh, you know, left it at that. So. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard. Even, like I said, you know, it's been almost six years that I've been sober. But because of characteristics and things that I did when I was using, um, you know, like, for example, with my sister, just these crazy text messages that I don't even know how she deciphered things that I was saying, because when I would look at them, like the next day when I was sober, I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know how she understood anything that came out in that text message because it was just a bunch of garbly junk. And, you know, um, there's been a couple times that I've sent her texts, you know, recently and over the last couple of years that, you know, sometimes your phone auto corrects or you hit <laughs> wrong buttons, things like that. So there's been times that she's gotten some garbly junk and I immediately get a response back. Are you okay? Where are you? What are you doing? And like, sometimes I almost feel annoyed that even after all this time, people still question you know, are you still sober? Are you okay? And then the other part of me is like, but they have every single right to still question because of everything, you know, that I put them through when I was an alcoholic and drinking all the time. So like, I, I just, I get it. But part of me also wants to be annoyed that people still question it. <laughs> and I don't, I mean, I like, I don't mean that in a bad way because again, they have every single right to question it because of, you know, things that happened in the past. So I do get that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that Matthew and has, has gotten upset when I've asked him, you know, on occasion with different things, like you said, behavior or something that doesn't make sense or something he'll say. And I'll, I'll say like, you know, are you using And, and he will get, actually upset at times but it's true you only really have that history to go by yes you know and then and then here's the other thing now that I've just gained a lot of different perspectives and you know new things and tools in my life so a lot of times I'm able to say okay history it's the past it's done it's over we're here now so in talking about you know the guilt and the shame and guilt is such a wasted emotion because what do you do with that? I mean, it, it made me feel pretty crappy and, and being shameful because, you know, oh, I've got a, you know, a son who's an addict and it's my fault, you know, kind of thing. And all of that did not serve me in my life whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, talk about a drain and then feeling down. So 
it took a long time to reach the point of, okay, we are here now. Let's just keep moving forward. You know, you rehash the past. It, 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 like it can be a good thing in terms of Matthew and I have had discussions and he shared with me certain ways that he felt or how he was doing at a certain point in his life that I just didn't really know. He didn't share with me or I wasn't connected with him or whatever. So in that respect, I think that's a good thing to share that past and have a different look or to better understand, but to dwell on it and stay in it and be there. No, like that doesn't feel good. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I love what you were talking about, about how, you know, the past of the, is the past. Well, there's so many different point of views about the whole, um, you know, people will often say, well, if you want to know how somebody's going to act, all you have to do is look at like their past behaviors and stuff because people don't change. And like, I used to be like super judgmental and totally agree with that statement. Nope. Somebody wrongs me. I'm washing my hands. I'm done with them because they're not going to change. And they're just going to continue like that you know, forever. And now, you know, coming out and being almost six years sober, I'm like, oh my gosh, had people like, you know, wash their hands of, and yes, for a while, there were family and friends that, you know, for their sanity and their sake, they did have to, you know, kind of step away from me and let me go through what I was going through. But like, I think about that and I just think, oh my gosh, if people really like believed that, okay, I'm never going to change and I'm going to be, you know, the same person that I was back then and continue to do the same things then like, oh my gosh, I would have like no support systems, no family, no friends, like nobody around me. And I'm like, just so thankful that, you know, not everybody believes that, you know, that old saying, I don't even know how it goes, but whatever about, um, how somebody's going to act today, you know, just look at their past behavior. And I'm just so thankful that not everybody buys into that because I think all of us can change. I mean, whether we're addicts or, um, I don't know, addicted to caffeine, sugar, or whatever. I mean, we all have done things in our lives that at some point we're no longer doing them. So I believe that people truly do change. Yes, without a doubt. I just think of myself, and I'm not the same person I was. I mean, in many respects, yes, same quirkiness and personality and certain traits and still that wild little girl that, you know, just loves to run in the grass barefoot. (laughs) But also, or and also, I've reinvented myself so many times, you know, and... So we can all do that. I I believe that, like, say, the 12-step program, those are tools that you can use for your life. I can use them even if I'm not an addict. So um, that's what I think it's about. If you can get some of those tools somehow and, and be aware of the tools and use them, a lot is possible. So you know, like with the guilt and the shame that I carried for a long time, I would go in and out of it, especially when, you know, Matthew was in and out of his addictions and things going on. It would come and go. And I actually, uh, let's see, almost five years ago, or like 
almost five years ago, I went through a personal transformational program that allowed me to really dig deep, look deep and remove some of those things that were blocking me or at least be much more aware of how to let things go and to, you know, be present. Mm -hmm. So that helped me tremendously, I guess, in my sort of final <laughs> leg of that. Okay. Why am I hanging on to this stuff? And, you know, there's more for my life. I love that. And I love what you said, Betsy, about, um, you know, the 12 steps, you may not be an addict, but you could use those in life. And I truly believe that, like I have been saying over the years, why don't they teach like these 12 steps in school and to just like, like everybody out there, because the 12 steps are so freaking phenomenal and they are tools for anything that's going on in life. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times I have used those 12 steps for something that's not related to alcoholism in my life. So I love that you touched on that. Um, and really quick before we wrap up, I have so appreciated, you know, talking to you and just love that you were open and willing to talk about this as hard as it's been. So what I really want to leave the listeners with Betsy is if there's a parent that's listening right now and they have a child that's an addict, what, like, what's one piece of advice that you can offer them to help them deal with what they're going through? Mm. I would say definitely reach out for support, whatever that might be for you and practice self-care. And if you do end up talking to anybody that doesn't have anything to say that's going to help you, just move on to the next person or group, whatever it is. You're definitely not alone. You know, you will get through it and just be sure that you treat yourself with love and care. Yeah. I love what you just touched on about, um, you know, move on to the next person if somebody is not willing to support you or something, because that's so true. Um, again, going back to myself and in the AA program, it's often that people will jump from like sponsor to sponsor. Sometimes they're doing it for the wrong reasons, but sometimes it's genuinely, genuinely done because that sponsor is not giving them, you know, what they need for their recovery process. So that's so true as a parent with a child that's an addict. If you're reaching out for help to somebody and they are just being negative about about it and trying to say that it's your fault. Like it's really important that you don't sit in that and listen to that because it is not your fault. And that's one thing that I just really want to like, you know, point out again, it is not anybody's fault that somebody is an addict. Like you just can't take that on because it is not your fault. So again, I just really appreciate you being here, Betsy, and talking about this. I know it was really hard for you and I really think that this is something that more people need to talk about because it, I hate to say that addiction is common, but nowadays it really is common. And I just feel like it's something that's not talked about enough, especially from, at least in my circle of people, I don't often hear parents talking about their children that are an addict. So I personally appreciate you being here today and sharing, you know, your son's story and your story. 
Um, and really quick, just let our listeners know if they want to find you online, where can they go to find you? Oh, okay. So I do have a website, BetsySchwartz.com, which is a, uh, you know, in the works, <laughs> work in progress, I should say, but that kind of has everything that I do and, uh, you know, about all of the things that I'm up to. And I do have another website, birthinthenow.com, which is all about birth information. So, All right. Yeah. Thank you. And I'll be sure to add those links to the show notes so people can click through from there. Again, thank you so much for being with me, Betsy. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Your Shining Self podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment, and share with others that need a message of hope, love, and transformation.